Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Praise the Lord. Praise God. It's amazing. That's amazing. God, God is doing some amazing things in our church, in our church family, and families that are, are, are part of our church. It's exciting to see, and testimonies are powerful. Testimonies give glory to God. They also help us build our own faith, and there are so many good things happening in our, in our church family. And if we allow it to, it really starts to perpetuate itself. If you were here Wednesday night, we had our annual business meeting, which we reviewed 2021, and it was just almost just testimony after testimony that every ministry, every area, about everything you could talk about as a church family, it was just abundance and increase and more people reached, things advancing, new ministries starting. It was, it was all good news. So we have so much to be thankful for as a church family, so many testimonies to celebrate. If you weren't here Wednesday night, I'd love for you to grab one of our annual reports at the Welcome Center. You can go through and see some of those great things that are happening, some statistics as well as the budget. Uh, Tara Carter and Desiree Gladys did a great job putting those together. I want to thank them for doing that. But Wednesday night was awesome, just so much to celebrate. Then you hear testimonies like that. And if we're wise, we'll use testimonies almost, almost like a weapon and not just celebrate what God has done. It's good to celebrate and give God thanks and give him praise. But testimonies are also to be used to set us up for the next testimony and to advance. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So that lets us know, yes, we should just give God thanks and praise. Father, thank you for the things that you've done. But it also says it's a way that we overcome. So it's not just something that we reflect and look back. It sets us up to look ahead to future victories. And when we arm ourselves properly with testimonies, that is part of the process of overcoming. So we need to handle them like that, wield them almost like, like a weapon to set ourselves up for further testimonies. That's what David did when he went to fight Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He, he recounted things that God had done in his past, not just to give thanks. He wasn't just giving a resume. He was setting himself up for God to come through again. When he talked about how God had delivered him from the, the paw of the lion, from a bear, and I know God's going to do the same when it comes to this giant. So when we hear testimonies like that, how God took a little girl with leukemia, and I love the way he phrased that, completely turned that diagnosis on its head, and now she is completely healthy, completely healthy and strong. Praise God for it. But listen, as, as we praise God for it, also arm yourself with that testimony to know God, God is, we just sang about, he's still the same God. Just like there's testimonies all through God's word, testimonies in other families, know that he wants to do the same thing in your life. Arm yourself with that testimony. How he can take a girl not only with leukemia, but finds herself in the small three percentage that the medication doesn't work. And then to see that situation com completely change astounds the doctor. Give him praise, give, it, give him glory and honor, but also arm the people of God. God, I, I know you're no respecter of person. What you did for them, you'll do for me. And maybe you don't have a daughter with leukemia, but you might need some area of breakthrough. You need God's power to come through in some situation. Well, David was in something similar. He'd never fought a giant before. He wasn't looking back at how he defeated giants in the past. Let me read it to you from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. Moreover, David said, 
The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. It was a unique victory that he needed, but he was building his faith and getting himself lined up for a unique victory by looking at past victories and saying, I know God came through for me here. I know he came through for me here. And I know he's going to do this, do the same thing as I move forward. So you can take that testimony or other testimonies. God, I know how you came through for them. I know how you demonstrated your goodness and your power for them. And so, Lord, I know that you're going to do the same for me. You are no respecter of person. Amen. Let's just take a moment just to set our, set our faith. Father, we love you. Father, we give you praise and thanks for that powerful testimony. I thank you, Father, how that family is now celebrating your goodness instead of mourning a loss. Father, I thank you for that life that was, that was restored. I thank you for that healing that took place. And Lord, we want to arm ourselves with that testimony. Lord, that we could do overcoming here this morning. Whatever challenges are faced, whatever sickness is represented in this room, whatever attacks of the enemy that are happening in the lives and the families of the people here today, God, that we know you will deliver us in the same way. Father, I pray for a release of faith. Lord, that we would not be like those people in the book of Hebrews who knew your word but failed to combine it with faith so they saw no benefit. Lord, we take time right now to intentionally combine faith with what we know to be true for from your word. Lord, I thank you in advance for every miracle, every breakthrough, every deliverance, every healing taking place today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know God loves you. He cares about you. Really cares about you. His love is real. and It's not just supposed to be some theoretical love or something you learned as a child. God wants you to know that he loves you. And part of the ministry of Jesus was to come and to correct misconceptions in people's minds about who the Father was and how the Father was and to, to set things right so people would have a better understanding because religion had come and warped people's perceptions of, of how you interact with God or what kind of God that he is. So part of what Jesus was doing was coming and bringing revelation about how real God's love is and how powerful that love is. And it wasn't just something that affected people back then. Religion can still warp people's minds and warp their understanding of, of how I can know God and what God is really like. Is he just some angry, angry force out there that port, points out all my flaws and my deficiencies and punishes me with sickness and tries to teach me lessons through bad things happening in my life? Jesus came to clear all that nonsense away. And we need to look at the Gospels to see, because he still wants to reveal what kind of God it is that, that we serve and to destroy those misconceptions. So when you read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus' ministry was a miracle ministry. It was a miracle ministry. Jesus was demonstrating not just the power of God, he was demonstrating the love of God when he performed miracles. Because as you read those stories, he wasn't just performing miracles to dazzle people and to show God's power. Every single time, it was to minister to someone specifically, to help someone, to bless them. It wasn't just to show that God is powerful. We already know that he spoke the universe into existence. It's, it's, it's hard to top that, even when you're healing a set of eyeballs, speaking the universe into existence is a, is a better display of power. 
That's not what he was interested in doing. That wasn't, that wasn't the extent of what he was interested in doing. Jesus would reverse the laws of nature. He would break those laws and even break religious laws on behalf of someone to bring healing to their body because he was moved with compassion, not just to show how strong God is, but to show how he wants to use his power to bring healing, to be a blessing to you. He, he, would, he would interrupt the laws of nature to bring families back together and to restore families like Mary and Martha when they were mourning the loss of their brother and he'd been in the tomb for four days or the widow who was on the way to bury her, her son. But Jesus interrupts the funeral procession to lift that boy out of the coffin and restore him to his mother. Jesus was breaking the laws of nature, which is really what a miracle is. When things don't follow just the way that we would naturally expect them to, some interruption in that by the power of God. And that's what Jesus did repeatedly on behalf of people, on behalf of their bodies, on behalf of families. There was miracles of provision where God would supernaturally provide for people. Like in John chapter six, where Jesus fed the multitude of people, multiplied uh, fish and loaves so that everyone could have enough to eat. Why? Because he, not just to show that he could do it, but because Jesus cared for people so much, so deeply, so practically, that he didn't want them to have to walk home, take a trip on an empty stomach. God, God loves you, and that love is real. He wants to minister to you, to your family, and if that means reversing some law of nature or breaking what we would naturally expect, God is more than willing to do it, and that's what he was demonstrating in the life of Jesus. Jesus cares about businesses and people's prosperity. The, Peter was a commercial fisherman. And he had a situation where he hadn't caught anything all night. And Jesus created a way for them to be loaded down with more fish than they knew, knew what to do with. Uh, a miracle of provision. Why? Because Jesus cares about those kinds of things. Jesus' first miracle was providing wine at a wedding, turning water into wine. This is his first miracle. Again, not just to dazzle people, to, to show power. Jesus cared that, that that celebration wouldn't be interrupted. Even in the small things of your life, God cares about you, God loves you, and Jesus came to bring that kind of revelation that miracles are available. Yes, God is powerful, but that in and of itself isn't enough. An all-powerful being that doesn't give a rip about you doesn't really benefit you, but a God that loves you so deep and that love will never stop. When that God is all-powerful, now you've got something that can turn blessing loose in your life and reverse every attack attack of the one who wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. Amen. Jesus came to bring that revelation, to reveal that to us. And, and fortunately, when Jesus returned to the Father, he didn't say, well, now, now you've gotten a little glimpse of what God is capable of. I hope that'll, that'll last you for the next couple thousand years, and you can remember back to the time where once upon a time God performed miracles. Jesus actually said the, the opposite of that. He said, for anyone who believes you'll see signs like I've done and even greater signs because I'm returning to the Father. So he set us up not just to kind of plateau or tail off, but to see an increase in signs and wonders and miracles and God breaking through in people's lives. Why? Because he loves people. He cares about you. To, to anyone who believes, that's what Jesus said. For anyone who believes, the same signs and even greater. Fortunately, we're in a church family that one of our values is exactly that. We believe, amen? That, that's the kind of people we are. We believe the word of God. Jesus did the impossible, so will we. Jesus saw signs and wonders and people's bodies healed, so will we. Jesus said, we'll lay hands on the sick and what'll happen? 
that they, they will recover. That wasn't just a promise. That, that was a prophecy that we can choose to fulfill. Jesus was prophesying that there will be people that lay their hands on the sick in whatever situation they're faced with. They'll see the power of God interrupt that and bring healing. We just, we just heard that's exactly what happened in the, in the life of that little girl. Anyone who believes, same signs and even, and even greater. So Jesus came, Jesus came to bring a revelation of what the Father is really like. And he also came to make provision for you and I to know the forgiveness of sins and to be reconciled to the Father, to have right relationship with him now and to know that for all eternity, instead of going to hell, we can be in the presence of God, enjoying fellowship with him forever. And just like he made provision for the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation, he also made provision for us to encounter the healing power of God so that anytime sickness, disease, a virus, a spirit of infirmity would try to rob from us the health that God wants to bless us with, we could know that healing power. Healing is part of redemption. It's an, it's an important part of redemption. Healing is important to God. It's an important part of redemption. Let me read to you from Jeremiah chapter eight, verse 22. This is God speaking, God posing a question. He says this, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? He's asking a question, is there no balm? Is there no healing ointment? Is there no means by which people can receive healing? Is there no physician? Is there no one that's able to minister healing? And obviously the answer to that is that yes, there, there has been some healing provided because the next question God poses is then, then why in the world are my people still suffering? Why, why aren't they walking in health? So the answer is yes, there must be some balm. There must be some physician that's, that's able to heal. So from that passage, we can see that it's God's expectation when he makes provision available for healing that you and I would make use of it. That, that's God's expectation. It's unacceptable to God, unacceptable to the heart of the Father for provision to be made and for whatever reason, you and I not tap into it. Whether we explain it away or make some excuse or just decide, you know what, I'm just gonna live with this thing. I'm just gonna accept this is my lot in life. This is just the way things are gonna go for me because of my, my family and heredity and genes or what, whatever we choose to excuse it away. In the heart of God, apparently, that, that's not a good enough excuse. He wants to know, is, has there not been a provision made is there not a physician that's able to heal that problem? God doesn't want to see you or I, his children, suffer with something, especially when he's already made provision for us to walk healthy and strong. That's, that seems to be his expectation, amen? It would be like if, if I went on a trip, I'm gonna go away for a month and I'm taking my wife, I'm gonna leave my kids home alone for a month, which wouldn't, wouldn't happen. But let's say that I did, and so before we left, we loaded the, the pantry with food, and the refrigerator was jammed, the, the freezers got lots of food in it, and we left for a month, and we came back, and my kids hadn't eaten a th anything in a month, which also would not happen. <laughs> They'd have it cleaned out in an afternoon. But let's say I came back, and I looked around, my, my, my daughters are just laying on the floor, malnourished, they're, they're starving, they haven't eaten in a month. Well, Dad, we, we know that there's provision, but we didn't want to, you know, get into your stuff. 
We know how you love frozen pizzas, and so we didn't, we didn't want to, you know, bother, bother those. That, that wouldn't be pleasing to me as a father. That would be frustrating to me as a father. One, I don't want to see them, and I don't want to see my children hurting. I don't want to see them malnourished. That's exactly why I made the provision. That's why I stocked the pantry. That's why I went out of my way to get stuff in the refrigerator and cram the freezer full. I took steps so that they wouldn't have to suffer that way. They just need to access what I've made provision for, and that's what's being expressed in that passage. Is there, is there no balm? Is there no physician? Hasn't there been provision made for my children to be healed? Then why in the world are my, my kids, my children, why aren't they walking in the health that's been provided? And God has taken drastic measures to make healing and health available to you and I. L- let me read to you from Isaiah chapter 53. I, I want to read it in the amplified version. Isaiah 53 Verse four, it says, surely he has borne our griefs. Now this is a prophecy and it's talking about Jesus who is going to come. It's talking about what he would accomplish. And it says, surely, surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. It's talking about what Jesus carried when he went to the cross, what was put on him was what? Was our sickness our grief, our pains, our distresses, our punishment. That, that, that was our sickness that came, that came on Jesus. He carried it for us. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and affected by God as if with leprosy. It's ignorance to think that what Jesus was suffering was just for some other reason other than that, 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 was, my, that was my sickness that he carried. Think it must be some other reason that Jesus suffered the way he did. No, it was mine. It was yours. It was, it was for us. Verse five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement, listen to this, the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. What was needed so that you could have wholeness for your well-being the price that was needed to be paid so you could be whole and well was put on him. He paid that price. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. What, what Jesus, that, it was prophesying it, but Jesus has already come. He's already carried the, those, those stripes on his back. He already went to the cross. So it's something that's been fulfilled and it says that he did that, why? So that you and I could be healthy and whole. And just in case there's confusion about what that prophecy was really about, you can see it quoted multiple times in the New Testament. 1 Peter 2.24 refers to this prophecy. In Matthew chapter eight, it refers to this prophecy. In fact, I'll read it to you. Matthew chapter eight, starting in verse 14. It says, now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So it's letting us know that's exactly what was being prophesied, that Jesus carried those things for one specific purpose. He carried them so that you wouldn't have to and so that you and I could be healed and could be made, made whole. Provision has been made. 
Jesus has purchased our complete healing and wholeness. But just because something has been purchased, just because something has been provided, doesn't mean that we automatically get to benefit from it. You've got to claim things by faith. This past week, my wife went to the store to buy napkins because my family goes through napkins. If you've ever eaten a meal with us, you understand. It's mostly my daughter's. Just complete slobs when they eat. We needed napkins. Just kidding. But we, we needed napkins. So my wife went to the store. You, you don't want to have mealtime at my house without a, a, an ample supply of, of napkins. So she went. She bought napkins. She came home. We're getting ready for a meal. Well, someone put the napkins out. Can't find them. Well, will somebody go out to the van? They must still be in the van. We're out to the van. The napkins aren't there. She realized, you know what? I went and got those napkins. I paid for them. I left them at the store. So they'd been paid for, they were provided, but just because they were provided, there was another step. She needed to grab hold of them and bring them home. And really, in a sense, she needed to take authority over those napkins. Just because they'd been provided, the next step is to take authority and say, these napkins are mine, and to treat them like they belong to her. So she could bring them home and our family could wipe our faces and look like regular people when we eat. We could benefit from them. But it's similar with healing. Just because something has been provided, that's wonderful, but there's an additional step that you and I have to grab onto it by faith and really taking authority over it. And faith and understanding authority are very closely linked. When you take a authority over something and realize, no, I've been put in a position. I'm, I'm able to take this for myself. Knowing that it's been provided isn't enough. There's an additional step. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to grab things by faith. We're going to take authority over things. In fact, let, let me read to you from Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 17. There are times where we've got to exercise the authority that God has given us. We've been in a series that we're calling Ask. We're talking about prayer and how to be effective in prayer. But, you know, sometimes when you read through the New Testament and it's talking about prayer and he uses the word ask, it's not in the form of just making a request. God, will you please? That word can sometimes be translated as to, to demand or to command. There are times where we do make requests, but also times where we stop making requests and we just use the authority that God has given us through Jesus. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 5, it says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So Jesus is with his disciples, and they make a request. They know that faith is good. They've heard Jesus talk about faith. He's taught on the power of faith. They've seen instances where things didn't happen the way that they should, and Jesus has attributed the failure to a lack of faith. They've also seen times where people received a miracle and Jesus attributed the miracle to somebody having faith. According to your faith, be it unto you. Or your faith has made you, made you whole. They, they, they've seen all that. So they know the importance of faith. And so they tell Jesus, Jesus, we, we know about faith. We know it's important. The problem is we, we, need, we need like an increase. We need more faith. Would you please help us? Teach us something. Show us how we can increase our faith. Verse six, so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Jesus gives them an example of how incredibly powerful it is when people like you and I have faith. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, they must have been by a a mulberry tree. 
he uses it as a, a little sermon illustration. If you have faith like a, a mulberry tree, you, you could say to this tree, I want you, tree, I want you to pull yourself up by the roots. I want you to march yourself over to the nearest sea and you plant yourself in the sea. And if you have faith, he said that that mulberry tree would actually obey the command that you gave it. Faith, faith is powerful. We're gonna demonstrate it. We're gonna use that kind of faith here in just a couple of minutes. There are things, things in our lives that we need to exercise authority over. Might not be a mulberry tree that's out of place, but there might be things in your life, things in your body, things in your mind that need someone to speak with authority and command those things. You uproot yourself from that body, uproot yourself from that mindset, uproot yourself from that family, that strife, that anger, that, that cancer, that leukemia, whatever it happens to be, and command it. You've got to find another place, but you can no longer reside here in Jesus' name. That's what Jesus is saying. Faith has the ability to operate like that, but it takes an operator to do what he's describing here. And then he continues to explain. Verse seven, and which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But he will not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all the things which you were commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Now, some people take this passage and all they come away with is, hey, we're God's servants. And when he tells us to do something, we should do it. And that's a good application. We should, we are God's servants and he is our master, our Lord. And when he instructs us, we should, we should obey. But if we take into account the entire context that Jesus has just had a request made to him, we need an increase in faith. And from that, he begins to give this illustration of a servant. If you have a servant and he's out plowing, he's out taking care of the animals, he's been working hard all day, and he comes into the master, will the master say, oh my goodness, you've been working so hard? Look at you, you're a sweaty mess. Tell you what, you sit down. Let, let me get you something to drink. Let me make you a meal. Let, let me make you comfortable. Jesus says, no way. That's not how it works. Jesus says, instead, what will happen is the master, when he sees his servant come in, will say, hey, I want you to clean yourself up and I want you to get me something to drink. I want you to fix a meal, serve me. And after I've eaten, after I've had something to drink, after the dishes are done, everything's cleaned up, then you can get yourself something to eat. Jesus says, that, that's the way it would happen. And then listen to verse nine. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. That's fancy for no. No, he doesn't. Why? Because that, that's just the way it works with somebody who's in authority and someone who's under authority. When that master gives a command and the one under the authority carries out the command, the master doesn't go, oh my goodness, that's amazing. You are so, I can't believe you just did that. I told, you to, I told you to make me a meal and you did it. Thank you so much. No, because that's the way things are supposed to happen. That, that's just the natural flow of authority. And then Jesus says, same way with you guys, talking to his disciples. When you guys do what I command you to do, it's not a big deal. You, you guys just say, hey, 
We're, we're your servants. That's what we're supposed to do. Jesus is describing a flow of authority. Now, why is he talking about this? When he says, I think not about giving thanks, is he giving a lesson on how to be ungrateful? No. What, what, what is he teaching on? He's teaching on how authority functions. Why? Because they've just asked, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus knew you will have a significant increase in your faith if you can just have a basic understanding of how authority functions. When someone who is an authority exercises the authority over someone who is under their authority, it's not anything crazy or weird or out of the ordinary for who is under the authority to submit. So when it comes to miracles, when it comes to commanding sickness and disease or whatever it is, evil spirits, things that are afflicting people to leave when they've been put under your authority. It's, it's not some crazy thing. And it's wrong for us to approach miracles like we're crossing fingers, rubbing rabbit's foots, throwing pennies in a well, wishing on, wishing on stars. That's not the way we're supposed to approach miracles. And really, that's not faith. You've got to understand the way that authority functions and know that God has given you authority. And then understand when I exercise that authority, that's just the natural way things happen. And it's an increase in faith. In Matthew chapter 8, there was a centurion who came to Jesus. and He was a man that Jesus was amazed at this guy's faith. And he said, I've got a servant who's sick at home. Jesus said, okay, I'll come and heal him. And he said, no, that's actually not even necessary, Jesus. And he demonstrates this amazing faith that Jesus at the end of the story says, I I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. I'm blown away by your faith. I've never seen anyone faith like this. How did the centurion demonstrate this amazing faith that even amazed Jesus? This is what he said. He said, hey, you don't have to go because I'm actually a man who's under authority. I'm in the military. I've got people over me and I have to do what they say. And I have people under me who have to do what I say. In fact, if I tell them to go, you know what they do? They go. And if I tell them to come, they come. So you don't need to come to my house. Just say the word, and I know that my servant will be made well. That's how Jesus was amazed by his understanding of faith. Why? He didn't say a thing about faith. He understood how authority works. I know you're an authority, and if you exercise that authority, it's no big deal for those under your authority to submit because that's just the way that it works. You and I, because of our union with Jesus, have been given authority over the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 2, it actually tells us how all things have been put under Jesus' Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. All principalities, all powers, everything is under him. And it also says that you and I have been seated together with Christ in heavenly places. If I'm seated with him, if you're seated with him and everything is under his authority, you know what that means for you and I? Everything is under our authority. Everything is under Jesus' feet. We are the body of Christ, which means even if you're the toe of Jesus, even if you're the heel of Jesus, everything is below you. You have authority over principalities, every, over every work of the enemy, but it's just that that authority goes unused because we don't understand how it's connected with faith. You exercise faith. You stand in faith by using your authority. Amen. So you have authority to use. We're going to exercise that authority today. There are things that have to submit, but they'll, they'll run wild until someone uses that authority. Healing, healing is important. Healing is part of, of redemption. Healing belongs to us because of what Jesus has done. In Psalm 103, it says not to forget the benefits of serving God. It says don't forget. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. May I never forget the benefits or the good things that he's done for me. 
And then David begins to like list the benefits. Benefit number one, he forgives all of my sins. Jesus forgives all of our sins. All of our sins. You, you completely clean. White as snow. The righteousness of God in Christ. There, there's nothing too bad, too far. No one in here has blown it so bad that God can't make them as righteous as Jesus. His grace, his power, his love is that strong and that real. And if you've never come into right relationship with Jesus, we're going to give you that opportunity here in just a couple of minutes. That you can accept Jesus as Savior. He forgives all of your sins. That's important to know. If you've never accepted Jesus, you can be completely forgiven. Those of us who do know Jesus, sometimes an obstacle to receiving healing or any other miracle is that you begin to examine yourself and think about, am I worthy? If I, if I, do I really have this coming to me? The answer is no. But the, because of the grace of God, it, it's grace, it's mercy. Think about Jesus. When Jesus ministered healing to the people all through the gospels, he hadn't died yet. So all of those people were living in sin. So if it was a requirement of righteousness to receive a miracle, then something is off in the Bible. Jesus had yet become sin so that we could become righteous. Those people were living, they were, they were sinful. So that's not a requirement. In the book of James, it says, when we come to receive healing, our sins are forgiven as well. It's important that you know he forgives all of your sin because the enemy will use condemnation, reminding you of past failures to try to undermine your faith. So you can say, no, I, I know he forgives me of all of my sins. He's faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Benefit number one, he forgives all of my sins. Second, only, second, only to the forgiveness of sins is he heals all of my diseases. He, he heals all of our diseases. That, that's a benefit of knowing God and serving him. He's a healer. He, he's a healer. Don't forget. He's saying, make sure you keep that in your memory and access it. it provision has, has been made. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no fish? Then why are my people living below the standard that I've, been, that I've provided for them? Don't forget one of the benefits is that you can walk healthy and strong. So again, we don't want to make excuses and just kind of accept sickness. I'm, I'm willing to kind of suffer with this. I'm willing to continue to give myself the shots or whatever it happens to be. No, you have something that's been provided. Take authority over it. Like my wife with the napkins, take it. These are mine, and I'm leaving here with them. Let that be your attitude today. I'm leaving here with whatever breakthrough I came in need of. I leave here with a testimony instead of a problem in Jesus' name. So healing, healing is an important benefit. But when we talk about miracles, I know and you know as well. That, that's not the only miracle people need in their life. Healing is a wonderful miracle. God cares about you beyond just your physical body. Let, let me read to you from 3 John, verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Beloved, I pray, that word can be translated as I hope. It can be translated as I wish. It's, it's expressing desire here. My desire, beloved, my desire is what I want for you is that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, the apostle John is writing this, but the Bible tells us that all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So he's expressing this, and that's very nice of him, but what's even more important, it was the Spirit of God working on the inside of him, making an expression that that's the desire of God, beloved, 
He loves you. He cares about you. You know what God wants for you? He wants you to prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. So, so God wants you, your soul to prosper. He wants you to know forgiveness of sins. He wants you to know freedom. He wants you to end up in heaven with him forever instead of separated from him forever in hell. He wants you to be in health, but that's not where his concern stops. Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God wants you to prosper. Maybe you're here today and what you need isn't, isn't a touch in your body. Maybe your body is healthy and strong, but what you need is a financial breakthrough. You need a miracle when it comes to your finances. When, you are, when you're suffering from lack, it, it is a horrible place to be. I've experienced going without and being stressed by, by scraping bottom, and I, I've had the, the, the blessing of having an abundance, and I can tell you one is much better. One is much better than the other. You know one of the leading causes of divorce is financial stress? It destroys families. It shortens people's lives. It racks their body with all kinds of conditions. God doesn't want you to suffer that. God wants your cup to run over. I, I desire, I wish that you would prosper in all things. God wants you to prosper. And the Bible is filled with, with examples of times where there was miracles of provision. We, we've talked about a couple of them already this morning. But almost every time you find a miracle of provision, there was something else going on. Pastor Josiah mentioned it during, during the offering, that people had to put something in God's hand to bless. They had to sow a seed. They had to take a first step and give God something to multiply for that provision to break through. We talked about it earlier in Luke chapter five. There was a miracle where Peter and his, his fisher partners, fisherman partners, had fished all night. Him, another boat, a whole crew of men out all night. They, they meet up with Jesus in the morning and say, we, we fished all night. We caught zero fish. We didn't catch a thing. That, that's a struggling business. That's an, a, a bad spot to be. Two boats, two crews of men all night, nothing to account for. That's a struggling business. If you had two stores full of employees that sold absolutely zero product, yeah, that's a problem. Jesus turned that situation around with a miracle a miracle. He broke through the natural to bless them, to bless that business so they had enough fish. It was sinking two boats. They had so many fish. But what happened first? Before that miracle of provision, when Jesus needed a boat to stand and teach in, to use for ministry, Peter let him use that boat as a platform for ministry. He was sowing a seed. He was putting something in the hand of Jesus and then he received a miracle on the other side. We talked about John chapter six where Jesus took five loaves and two fish and multiplied it. an amazing miracle where 5,000 men, not including women and children, were able to eat until their bellies were full and there's 12 baskets left over, more at the end than they had at the beginning after thousands of people eat their fill. An amazing miracle. Jesus broke the laws of nature. It's a miracle of provision. You know what happened first? First, there was a young man who had a little sack lunch with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish in it that was willing to say, Jesus, I'm putting this in your hands. Jesus, I'm turning this over to you. And out of that, that seed that he sowed, that sacrifice he made, that's what opened up the door of a miracle of provision. 
In 1 Kings chapter 17, there's a story of a woman and her son in the middle of a famine who are about to eat what they think is their last meal before they starve to death. But God performs a miracle on their behalf, a miracle of provision. There was need and they saw breakthrough so that their, their cruise of oil, their bottle of oil, their container of flour didn't run out. They continue to make food through, through the entire famine to feed both of them, to feed house guests. It never ran out until that famine was over. But do you know what happened before that miracle of provision where, where the laws of nature were reversed and God broke through that lack and swallowed it up by abundance? First, God required her to take what she thought was her last meal and feed the man of God, Elijah, under his instruction. And when she was willing to make that sacrifice, okay, I'll take that step. That, that's when God's miracle power, he was able to bless what they put in his hand. So if you need a miracle of provision today, here's what I want to challenge you to do. We already received the offerings. That's not what this is about. I want to challenge you to, to sow a seed, take something, make a sacrifice, put something in God's hand. You can write a check, fill out an offering envelope. When we pray here in a couple of minutes, come and lay it on the altar and make a sacrifice. Give God something to bless. That's the way that it works. There's seed time and harvest. There's sowing and reaping. If you want to harvest, what do you first need to do? You need to sow a seed. Seed time and harvest, not prayer time and harvest. We don't just pray for financial breakthrough. We can pray along those lines, but you've got to have a seed in the ground. It's a fool who stands out in his field praying over the, the soil when he hasn't put a, a seed in it to bless. You don't just pray over the soil and ask for a harvest. You pray for God to bless the seed that you put in the soil. So if you need financial breakthrough, that's what I want to challenge you to do. And I'll be glad to pray with you that we see that seed multiplied. And I know that's not palatable to a lot of people, but it is biblical. That's what we're striving to be, biblical over palatable. That's what you see in the Bible. You got to make a sacrifice, put something in the hand of God. Let, let him bless it. I, I desire, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's the desire of God for you, that you prosper in all things. So prosper financially, that's part of it. God wants you to prosper financially. But he doesn't just say, I, I desire you prosper financially. He says what? In all things. The word prosper literally means to succeed, to do well, to advance, to move forward. Maybe there's an area of your life where you need a miracle, you need a breakthrough because you realize in this area, in this role, I'm not prospering. I'm not succeeding. I'm failing as a husband. I'm failing as a wife. I'm doing a lousy job as a parent. I need God to do something in my situation and break me through whatever's keeping me from advancing. Maybe in your schooling, maybe in your business, some area where you need wisdom, insight, you need some kind of breakthrough. God desires not to see you fail in those roles, but that you would prosper in all things. And if you need a miracle in that area, come forward here in just a moment and allow us to pray together and join our faith to see whatever is keeping you from success lifted off of you today. In Jesus' name, miracles of provision, miracles of breakthrough. I, I desire that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You know, if you are having issues in your marriage, issues with your children, issues at work, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter six that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with evil principalities and powers in the unseen realm. There's spiritual forces at work. There's constantly strife in your home, rebellion from your kids. You can't ever seem to see eye to eye with your spouse. 
people at work are always, always against you. you. It's not just personality conflict. It's not just you versus them. It's not that you just have a, a lousy husband or a lousy wife. There, there are demonic forces that want to see your marriage fail. They want to see you fail as a parent. want to see your kids hate you for the way that you raised them. So discord and strife and anger, every way that they have an open door to do it, you need a spiritual power, a spiritual authority to shut those things down and cause whatever spirits are trying to torment your family and divide your family or cause you to be a failure at work and whatever role that it happens to be driven out of your life you've got to have authority exercised over it and we can do it today in Jesus name I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers God desires you to be healthy spiritually not bound with addiction held, held bound by lust held bound by being an alcoholic depressed oppressed always sad he wants you to prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, that unseen realm of who you are, even as it prospers, even as it continues to succeed and flourish. That, that's what we quote every, every week. God wants you to flourish. That's his desire for you. And if there's an area of your life that isn't lining up with that, I want you to leave here today. More importantly, God wants you to leave here today with that situation, just like Joel said in the video, turned on its head a complete miracle, something that could only be attributed. God touched me. God broke through. God lifted that thing off. I, I believe this morning that there are things just seem like they're hanging over you, hanging over your family. God wants to lift things off of people. Maybe you can't give a name to it, but you know, man, I just, I, I just need something lifted off of me. I need to experience some kind of breakthrough. God wants to break through whatever the enemy's trying to, to callous your heart, hang on you and make life a drudgery, rob the joy, rob the peace, rob the fellowship, you're just kind of muddling through. God wants to lift that thing off of every person in Jesus' name. I, I believe that. The people leave here refreshed, healthy, strong, breakthrough where they need it, refreshed in his presence in Jesus' name. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.